Hi, thank you for joining me here in Life Expressions. I'm Chari Hinete Elon. Today we're going to talk about special education and we're going to talk to a special education teacher in Tucson, Arizona. She's quite happy there and she's going to talk about her life there. But allow me to introduce to you my guest today. She has experience working with children with special needs ages 3 to 16 for 15 years. Currently, she's a sixth grade inclusion teacher and IEP advocate of Pister Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. She has a Master of Arts in Education, major in Special Education at University of Negros Occidental Recoletos. She has a Bachelor of Arts major in Psychology at University of St. LaSalle. She was an associate professor in many universities in Bacolod City founding president of Bacolod's PED-UC Society. It's an exclusive organization for special education teachers and student teachers taking a bachelor's degree in special education. And in 2012, she was president of JCI Bacolod and she won the most outstanding local president of Junior Chamber International Philippines in the same year. Mind you, it's one thing to be president of JCI local chapter. It's another big feat to be the most outstanding president of the local chapter. She is also the 2016 chairperson of Bacolod City Alay Lakad. She was involved in numerous community programs regarding special education, like autism spectrum disorder, leadership and influences, personality development. She gave seminars on this as well. She was with the Hope Found. Hope Volunteers Foundation Incorporated Cleft Rehabilitation Center and Operation Smile International Philippines. Well, to put it bluntly, she was very active when she was back home. And now I would dare say she is still very much active wherever she is now. Please welcome to Life Expressions, my friend Martha Rose Isiderio Gutierrez. Hi, Miss Martha. Hi, hello, Chari. Actually, I'm not used to call you Chari because we're used to press star, right? We, yes. We call each other press star. It's a protocol for JCI. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. doing exceptionally well, and I really can't complain at all <laughs> at this point in time and how about you how's canada so far <laughs> oh canada is shall i say the best country to live in <laughs> i'm so happy here but i'm happy to see you doing great there in arizona usa so so how has things been um there are a lot of changes so far and um this is going to be my second school for for the second year Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm going to talk about my, my work here in Arizona. Yes. So um, technically, I'm a sixth grade inclusion teacher here in Tucson, Arizona. So primarily, um, the children I teach are around 11 to 12 years old. So Tucson Unified School District is one of the biggest school district in the, in the United States. So composed of 89 schools in one school district. <laughs> Imagine 89 wow. schools. Wow. Yes, really huge. So what I mean by inclusion is that I am the co-teacher of five general education teachers in two math, in one science, and in two English language arts classes. So within this classroom setting, the special education children, which are my students, are included and emerge with general education peers. So the students that I am in charge of are diagnosed with a wide range of specific learning disability, um, emotional disability, ADHD, autism, as well as mild intellectual um, disabilities. So furthermore, both students allocated within this general education and special education groups are 
unaware, unaware that I am the special education teacher and that co-teacher that I'm co-teach with is the general education teacher. So this kind of strategy has been placed yeah. So as to avoid the stigmatization of students and mm -hmm. the further avoid divisiveness, yeah. um, especially during the formative years of our young children's lives. So where their experience are during the school helped shape who they become as an adult later on in life. So as I mentioned, as you mentioned a while ago, um, IEP, right? Yes. So it's it's a common term for all the special education teachers. So as a special education teacher, you are given students with an IEP under, under your caseload. Like yes. currently in this year, I have 22, meaning okay. 22 kids under okay. my caseload. So an individualized education plan or program, that's IEP. Okay. It's also known as an IEP. So this is a federal document. So federal <laughs> <laughs> so yes. it's not a joke. So we are preparing a federal document Whoa. which lays out the plan or program developed to ensure that the child with an identified disability receives um, specially designed instruction and yeah. related services. So when you say related services, it could be speech language um, therapy, it could be a physical therapy, it could be um, counseling, it yeah. could be... Yeah. Um, occupational therapy um, therapy so so such things so yeah. as a case carrier you are advocating for this child that's why i called i mentioned a while ago iep advocate so yeah. close you you have a close contact with parents oftentimes so okay. at the same time with the teachers who are your um co-teaching with the, this this child so one of the um crucial thing that we are doing every single year every single day i mean assessing yes. the current level of academic and functional yes. skills of the child like for example how's the fun uh, functional level of the child in terms of reading okay. in terms of reading comprehension in terms of math in yes. terms of um his, his emotional abilities his um fine motor skills and so on so there's a lot and the same time this is the challenges that most of the special education teachers for example um most um, Filipino teachers who come here, this is yeah. one of the common challenges that you have to face is to prepare yeah. and facilitate. When you say facilitate, you are the facilitator for the IEP meetings. So yeah. it involves the whole team. So whole team which means the parents of the child. It yeah. could be the child, the, yeah. the administration composed of um, principal, assistant principal. It could be um, psychologists. It involves yeah. the psychologists. It involves the speech and language pathologist involves occupational therapies, um, social worker, so on and so forth, and also advocate. Like, for example, if the child is under, um, belongs to um, Native American um, descent, so there's also an advocate person who is who's going to um, join the meeting as well. And also, you are responsible to finalize that IEP and eventually implement Yes. What is written, especially the goals for the entire year. For example, when you, when the goal is all about math, you mm -hmm. have to implement that math goals. If you're talking about reading skills, um, goals, I mean, you have to implement that skills that you're talking about. So Ooh. that's basically the, the, the crucial, actually the crucial job of being a special education teacher. So you've got to be very good at many, many subjects. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm teaching three subjects. <laughs> make sure that they are developed holistically because you're talking about one subject, even yeah. their personality, the way Correct. they function in the society. I am yeah. 
uh, interested in what you said that you are incorporating these students with general education. So Correct. you are a co-teacher for special education and there's another teacher for general education, but if it's in a face-to-face -face classroom setting, you they are all in one classroom. Yes, correct. So there are two teachers in one classroom. Yeah. However, the uniqueness of this class, it's called inclusion class, these kids, it could be the child with IEP or without IEP, they don't know exactly who am I, who, who's the teacher. Yeah. They know exactly that I have two teachers in one class. Yeah, that is yeah, that's awesome. That is great. Yeah, that's called mainstreaming, yeah. mainstreaming program. So that is an interesting career and a very challenging one at that. Yes. How did you get into being a special education teacher there in Arizona? So it was certainly quite the journey that it had its own um, set of ups and downs so as its restaurant in most of the immigrants coming to the United States. Through my connections and friendship back in the Philippines, I was able to find the path for myself that yeah. met all the personal goals that I've set back in way back 2000 something, <laughs> way back 2006, six, I mean, yeah. through perseverance, determination and having the right skills. Yeah, you should have the right skills, um, set of skills and previous background experience. I've been blessed to forge my own path coming here in the U.S. Yeah. And so you have mentioned that before you were doing an in-person and there was a time that you did uh, a virtual classroom mm -hmm. with a with this setting, with this pandemic. So what are the new normal ways of teaching, Miss Martha? Okay, so as is permitting and common throughout the world, and not only unique to Arizona, we yeah. are all currently undertaking some form of online teaching and classes. So specifically for my school district and the school that I'm currently working at, the parents of our student body were given two options. Okay. So the first being a hybrid model, it's called hybrid model, which entails that the students will go to school four times per week in the morning. And okay. in the afternoons, they will have asynchronous assignments. Mm -hmm. This means that if the student has seven classes, so in the morning, he or she will attend four classes in person. Okay. So the student will have asynchronous assignment for the remaining classes for the afternoon. Well, the second option being that the child will stay at home the entire time. Mm -hmm. So most of the kids that like, they are afraid to go back to school. So while having asynchronous assignments in the morning mm -hmm. and Zoom classes in the afternoon with teachers. So basically in the morning in person and in the afternoon Zoom classes. That's how we it goes here in our school district. So furthermore, on Wednesday, so everyone is at home. So both mm -hmm. teachers and students are in Zoom classes all day. So oh. that's the beauty of our new teaching, new normal ways of teaching. Yeah. And you have easily adapted to it. Yes. Yes. So far, so good. <laughs> For you, what works and what does not work? Oh, well, this is quite the loaded questions. And answering such a question could take... um like an entire day, which we are <laughs> not going to do today. But for simplicity's sake and time consideration, I can give you a few examples in teaching, which con continues to work for 
the school I currently teach at. So one thing that works is the streamlined platform that we use at our school district. So we're in, we use one platform, yes. we can access at school and remotely from home. So everything we need to conduct our classes, to talk to our students, co-teachers, and even school admin administrators are within this platform. So a concrete example of this, during our online classes, I'm able to see if my students are cons consistently answering questions wrong or incorrect the systems give me an alert alert i can step in and intervene to either redirect the student or to personally have a one-on-one -on -one chat with the student so one i think one downside that i can see mm -hmm. is the fact that there is a less student teacher engagement happening during an online class yeah. um due to the fact that some students especially um most of my kids are already in preteens they choose to keep their cameras off yeah. which can really, they, they can do something else while attending yeah, which can really <laughs> diminish the engagement or worse some students do not respond at all you keep in calling hey oh um kindly respond hey are you still there or what yeah we didn't we didn't hear anything so with this scenarios arise it cannot it can diminish productivity during classes yeah. but can you require them to put to turn on their cameras and their microphone or even just mute themselves but turn on their camera so that you can see them no oh no at first that's one of the um um one of the protocols on when yeah. we started the online thingy uh, online yeah. platform it's one of the protocols that they need to be uh Turn on, they need to turn on their cameras. However, mm -hmm. eventually there are a lot of parents that they don't want that idea, Ooh. like the privacy of their house and so on and so forth. So eventually mm -hmm. it's the prerogative of the students if, if and only if they want to yeah. turn on their camera, unmute themselves, whatever. But um, there are teachers who who's trying to, um, like, um, could you please turn on your camera for, for purposes of verification? Yeah. And for attendance as well. Yes. And then you can turn it off as um as long as you have to tell me you're there. You're there in there. Yeah. Like that. That's one of the um challenges nowadays. Yes. But what works in an online classroom setting? Um what works yeah. I, I think that that's one of the things that I've mentioned. What um that really works is that let me think. The only thing that works, I guess, is that I can simply see yeah. thoroughly or during the time that they're working on a certain assignment that asked for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I can simply see that, hey, this one is wrong. Hey, could you please edit this one? Hey, I can simply do that. Yes. Now you're back to to in person, right? You've mentioned that now yeah. they have a they have a choice. Now you're back to in person yeah. classroom setting. So, what are the protocols that you've got to uh, follow? So, in terms of our COVID protocols, the United States has been tirelessly and swiftly trying to vaccinate its people, especially here in Arizona. So, as part of the government's protocol, I have already received my first dose of Moderna mag vaccine. Since I am a teacher, that's one of the priorities here in Arizona. I'm actually due to my to get my second dose of vaccine by tomorrow. <laughs> I'm scared, actually. Good for so, you. <laughs> so within our school, we have strict measures in place, such as restricting the number of students per class, mm -hmm. with the maximum number of students per class being 17 in my in my case. So yeah. there is also plexiglass in place between each student between their desk 
to lessen the contact between student and another student. So the student and the teachers are also mandated to wear a mask at all times during the class, which is really, really challenging. Yeah. So there are temperatures checked at the yeah. front office and mm -hmm. all the teachers are required to check in every mm -hmm. single day and have their temperature checked. And then we are subsequently given an uh, N95 mask every Monday. And we are not, oh, sorry, this is very, very all um, new. Um, we are not allowed to distribute any classroom materials anymore. So as to lessen the amount of physical contact and to lessen the physical distance between teachers and students. So um, each classroom now has a humidifier to help with the constant flow of clean air and allow for um, nonstop purification of the air that is within the classroom. So also, um, this is um, also one of the things that you're doing during yeah. passing periods. So yeah. in between classes, like for 10 minutes, teachers are required to thoroughly disinfect. And this includes meticulously cleaning and sanitizing the yeah. desk, the chairs, and all the surfaces and the tools that the students or teachers may have been in contact with. And also, Prior to entering the class, the students are also required to sanitize. Yes. And the same rules apply at the end of each class, which my kids doesn't like it. It's so sticky, Miss. <laughs> the work has just doubled, right? It has just doubled and it has become more difficult. And sometimes kids would like a hug if they need someone to hug. Oh, yeah. anymore. Oh. oh, that's one. <laughs> oh, that's very challenging. Challenging. But are there a lot of Filipinos where you are? Um, I have been fortunate enough to have been surrounded by Filipinos since the beginning of my move here to teach in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So within my school, um, current school, there are five Filipinos, three from Bacolod City, wow, so one from Zamboanga and one from Cebu. So I may be partial in saying this, but it does help, I think, in my part, significantly to have fellow Bacolod nuns here. Yes. They're thousands of miles away from home. Not only does it take um, transition easier yeah. in terms of having people around you that yeah. are also going through relatively the same challenges here in America. Yeah. Adding to that, um, it's also been an extremely homey to be able to speak our native language dialect, Ilongo. <laughs> so beyond that, it's also been a great to be able to eat Filipino food. Ooh. Last Saturday, we were able to eat um Bacolod barbecue. So Good it's like, <laughs> yeah, far away from home. So in terms of adjustments itself, living here in America is not a shock to me. Yeah, um, yeah. As I have been to America previously to visit my sister in Boston, um, the lifestyle itself is not something new or foreign to me so yeah. far. So there was a little to adjust in terms of that. So yeah. the adjustment themselves were more apparent in yeah. my day-to-day -day life as a teacher here in Arizona. So yeah. the differences are stark when comparing the teaching methods of the U.S. and the Philippines. That's like you've mentioned the differences are stark. Yeah. Like how different? What are the differences? If you can mention. Um, actually, in terms of behavior management, classroom management is really huge. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's another thing that we're going to talk about next time. It's really, it's really huge. One another, 
not a topic to talk about. <laughs> you have mentioned earlier that your credentials have helped you uh, be there in Arizona. For the benefit of those who are dreaming to teach in the United States of America, what are the credentials that are needed to be a teacher there? Okay, so there are so many requirements to teach here in, in the U.S. It's not really a joke. Yeah. So first, but first and foremost, a bachelor's degree in education is a must. Yeah. So a master's degree is pre preferred and we, um, it will also give you a significant edge yeah. in terms of salary competitiveness. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of salary, the years of number of years of experiences and level of education is absolutely crucial to yeah. have of having a higher salary. So there's also a mandate of minimum, minimum of two years experience teaching in a, in a given subject area. So there's also a demand for science, math, especially for special education teachers here in America. So there are various states that are specifically accepting Filipino teachers. For example, um, Arizona, yeah. New Mexico, Colorado, um, North and South, South Carolina, California, there's also Texas and North and South Dakota. There's also Alaska. Um, I've heard recently there's also Montana and mm -hmm. Illinois. So there is also a need for police clearance with fingerprints. You know, America is very serious about their safety and homeland security. And mm -hmm. of course, um, a course by course evaluation of your transcript is also needed to ascertain if your course and your corresponding grades are good enough for the U.S. standard. And last but not the least, a teacher certificate. You need to be a left passer, yeah. um, the PRC, left, um, license for, for teachers. And license reciprocity is also required once you, you apply in a certain um, state. So all of these requirements can be found online within the specific website of the school district that you are really interested in. So all the information is given in a very clear way and all the steps are laid out for you to follow. Yes, and you have been there since 2019, correct? Yes. Yes, correct. How do you find the experience so far? You seem happy and um, it's a real roller coaster ride. And most commonly for the first year, it's really challenging. But mm -hmm. eventually, if you get all the system, if um, you find yourself um, part of the system, it seems like it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> because you are very adaptable. You adjust yeah. <laughs> and you are very resilient. Perhaps that's why, too. No, so, um, Mentioning those things, what are the qualities that are needed to excel there as a teacher? Um, I think the one that I mentioned, Owagol, you need to be determined to yeah. learn a lot of things. Yeah. And um, you're open to all of the things that they're going to teach you. Yeah. Yeah, because when we're talking about culture, you yeah. will be, there will be such thing as culture shock. And you yeah. keep on, you, you tend to compare that's going on in the Philippines, that's going here. And there's a stress level there Yes. eventually. So you must be open and determined to learn mm -hmm. and to relearn what you learned before. Yeah, okay. That is really good to yeah. learn and to relearn what you have learned before. Apart from culture shock, what are the challenges that you have experienced being there? Um, especially teaching during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no, for, yeah. Yeah, yeah for me as uh, someone is very expressive and tactile as a person um 
it has been as what you mentioned oh well it has been very difficult not to have have this face-to-face -face contact with my students as they have become very dear to me yeah. i miss being able to interact with students on a day-to-day -day basis so i miss the chatter within the classroom and speaking to my students on a more human level so i miss being able to hug my students oh my god and hearing them say good morning miss how are you what's how's your week and everything such that since the the, the the conversation recently it's more on academics so yeah. it's somewhat, it's quite different nowadays so i miss this human interaction factor that has been placed on a global pause since the pandemic has started mm -hmm. and i'm sure i'm not the only one who feels this way so apart from this i think there's also a certain in limitations that we teachers now have to deal with so yeah. in terms of being limited in the tools we can use to relay our teachings so yeah. I told you ago, we, we cannot use tactile materials. We right. now have to fully use digital programs, which again, loses that human interaction factor I previously mentioned. But yeah. they just allow us teachers to be a little more creative <laughs> in how we conduct our classes and how to fully maximize our online classes. Yes. What about the kids that you're teaching, your students? How do you think they have coped? Uh, how well are they coping? Actually, good thing with my kids, they're trying their best. However, there are a lot of challenges along the way. And there's also a lot of um, communication at the same time with parents that yeah. I need your help. This is going to be, this is going to be um, not only my work, at the same time, I need your help as well. Yeah. So good thing with the kids, they're trying their best to cope on what's going on nowadays. But there's a lot of challenges for the especially for the kids who has this um behavior. Yeah, they really have the hard time to cope up what's going on since they have to follow a visual schedule and they what they've used to. Yeah, so it's so hard to explain to them that you have to wear your mask, you yeah. have to cover your nose, and you can and see the facial expression, which is very important as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do kids? What are, shall I say, what is the attitude of the kids there mm -hmm. in the U.S.? What mm -hmm. is the difference of the their attitude there compared to the kids here in the Philippines? Because yes. I'm in Vancouver. Actually, I got a lot of information to talk about this one. But when it comes to talking about trying to compare students from the U.S. and the Philippines, it's like um, really comparing apples and oranges. Oh. So comparison, <laughs> yeah, a comparison simply cannot be drawn. It will be impossible yeah. to reduce i think my multicultural students here in the u.s that is already one major difference yeah. between the students in the u.s and in the philippines so teaching the philippines means teaching a very homogeneous mix of students this means most of the students are purely 100 filipinos right so yeah. while teaching in the united states i'm exposed to students that i would not have have cross paths within my classroom in the Philippines. So like, for yeah. example, in my sixth grade class here in Arizona, it's composed of students yeah. from different walks of life, socioeconomic backgrounds and cultures as well. For example, yeah. um, I have students who are African-Americans, other Central and South Asian Asians, Latinos. I have also Native American Indians. So the diversity in that alone, you can find in a normal classroom um, regular classroom in the Philippines. So beyond um, culture, I think students in the United, United States do not have uh, what you call a paternalistic view of the student-teacher relationship. It's kind of it's kind of different, actually. Students here in the U.S., even though 
as young as 11 years old are already very opinionated and they are taught to speak their minds. Yes. So there's a lot of why, 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 miss, why? So this idea of us absolute respect to our teachers that we have in Filipino culture is somewhat diluted here in America due to, the, I think, um, intrinsically opinionated and vocal ways of my students or the culture culture itself so another very stark difference is the incorporation of religion in school yeah here in the u.s no such incorporation happens because i think there is a very clear separation of church and state in the u.s as yeah. laid out in the u.s constitution so we don't have prayer in school which is pretty common in in the philippines right yeah. so anything remotely religious this is of course understandable from the viewpoint of teacher here in the U.S. So because we are teaching a very diverse student body, which means that we, that my students also adhere to differing beliefs and faiths. Yeah. So that's pretty common. Um, Like, for example, there's um, one scenario. I'm, I keep on laughing every time I think about it. There's one new te um, Filipino teacher. He just arrived. And yeah. then first day I co-teach with her, with her. The first day she she attended her class, she asked all the kids to stand up and the typical Filipino way. And pray. Like, yeah, can you greet me? Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, what? Miss <laughs> Martha, what she's talking about? Because she's just and, and she she told the class, can we say a prayer first? And then my father, and I was, I'm gonna tell my dad what you're oh. doing. I was Oh my god, I was really shocked. So I grabbed my, my co-teacher and told him, You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> so it's entirely different. It's like <laughs> really different. <laughs> yes. It's really challenging. So I, isn't there a training for teachers from the Philippines when they teach there? I think there mm -hmm. should be. Like they have to be oriented, what they can and what they can't do. Yes, we do have. So um, every every start of the school year, not only Filipinos, um, there are um, rigid trainings in terms yeah. of about American culture, about the school system in America, even yeah. to the extent of, um, for example, um, fire drill, those kind of things we, we're yeah. able to um, relate to us. Yeah, but sometimes habits die hard, right? <laughs> We get used to that, right? We get used to that. So we're hoping to change the world, but the world is quite different here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you for sharing that. I mean, it is an eye-opener and it is actually very difficult for some who have been very much accustomed to doing things the way they do in the Philippines and mm -hmm. teach something new there in the U.S. How, like... Uh, how did you adjust to that kind of life and teaching? Actually, it is it just all goes back to the basic premise of why did I become an educator? That's my my motivation. Yeah. So, and there are many answers to this. So I became wow. an educator because I attain uh, an overwhelming level of gratification when I know that I'm able to steer and yeah. mold my students in a way that will release their highest potentials. Like for example, even because as a special education teacher, you are expected to contact the parents often. Yeah. Or most of the time. So I really see to it that even just a simple achievement of my, my, my kids, I usually text the parents. 
Hey, oh. Mrs. Uh, like this, like that. I'm so happy. I'm so glad and put a smile on my face. Your child was able to finish one skill during the entire class, so and so forth. So I, I, it, I feel so happy about that. Yeah. And also I became an educator because I truly want to affect others in a positive way as, as a JCI, you know, and I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be part of the solution does not allow us to disenfranchise those in a society that have, it, it could be emotional or learning disabilities. So I'm here to advocate for the acceptance of neurodiversity, that we're all unique in our own way. And we have um, something unique to bring to the table. Also, I became, this is also one of my motivation, I became an educator because I want to be part of the change that allows for the betterment of the people, especially for my kids. Um, I truly believe that things change one person at a time. Yeah. I believe in teaching my students to do better in every facet of their lives. So they usually ask me, why, miss? Why do I have to do that? Why do I need to respect? So simple as that. <laughs> so, but ultimately, I'm able to continue to be motivated and focused because I still have so many, many more personal goals for myself that I want to attain. So in part, I have started a new Instagram account <laughs> that shows my personal Oops. style and shows a glimpse of my life here in Arizona as a special education teacher in a way that um, celebrates creativity, expression, and somehow uniqueness. <laughs> yes. I think my connection got bad. I wanted you to repeat that. What's your Instagram account? Um, it's retro, R-E-T-R-O dot um, sped, S-P-E-D, retro dot sped. Yeah, but I think when you have mentioned that you've got to be able to answer their questions, patience is key. Patience True. and love. True. Very important to be able to bring out the best from these children who need special education from mm -hmm. you. So you are quite an angel for doing <laughs> things for them, making sure that they're functional. How yeah. do like you have already shared with us how you keep yourself motivated? What do you tell yourself when there are bad days, when there are sad days, when things get <laughs> really really tough? What do you tell yourself? Okay, of course I have. Have bad days and anyone telling you otherwise is just a flat lying so we have all our own so-called bad days when i encounter for example difficult scenarios with my students i'm being 100 percent honest and real with you because i don't want to sugarcoat things yeah. and if there's someone there listening to my video right now who is looking forward to teach here in the us i would like to somewhat gives give a side what's really really like yeah. so i would have particular days where I would have highly emotionally and incredibly draining days with my students that's draining in a way that is it could be physical it could be mental and oh my god it could be emotional I have dealt with my students talking back to me using very harsh curse words wow. when I say Tari um horse it's wow. really harsh <laughs> that just simply cross a line yeah true, true. Yeah. I felt in um, incredibly disheartened and yeah. to be honest somewhat sad because of the demands of my job as a teacher yeah. at times are very difficult and they really require you to muster up the courage to oh my god I need to wake up the next day and go to school and teach again so yeah. it is quite shocking to have 
11 or 12 year old cursing at you as a teacher oh. I was just shocked yeah when it happened to me yeah 11 years that's old. reality here yeah. because this kind of scenarios is just right unthinkable in the Philippines but at the end of the day um I'm always able to shift my focus and take a step back I'm able to have some perspective on the matter and take into account the harsh reality of my students have to deal with and this is pretty common of most of um our trainings and yeah. admin gonna tell us most of the time that um my students our students they have had to deal with their own traumas as well such as verbal and physical abuse and even sexual abuse is a history that is common among my students mm -hmm. and i've also had students with parents currently incarcerated or mm -hmm. have experienced homelessness True, or being being inside the foster care system, which means that they have no no fit parents or relatives to take care of them. No Lola, no Lolo, no Tita. Right? Like family. Yeah. Yes, these are realities that force these children to grow much more sooner, I think, than necessary. So this kind of backgrounds harden a child, mm -hmm. and they cease to become children. Instead, they become more like hardened adults, which yeah. cause them to react or even project their issues and inner hurts and yeah. deep um, buried traumas. So although all these things considered, it's all about your mindset as a teacher. So one bad day, so I, was, uh, I keep on telling myself, one bad day does not mean you have a bad life, Martha. <laughs> I always choose to move on and I always choose to be in more positive mindset because does not only benefit me, but it's all benefit other around me, some other teachers that are around me. So we must not, um, I think that's, a, um, this is a, such a thing that most of the teachers must have to deal with. We must not dwell on negativity because yeah. that will neither fix nor amend um, your yeah. situation. I always choose to remain with the mindset of positivity despite of everything. So it's pretty common here, Miss Miss um, Miss Cherry, that kids really shout on you, oh. as in in front of you, They're gonna tell you shut up. <laughs> oh my. As in with the comma and the B-I something. There's Christian living education, values education in the US. Is there such thing there? Yes, they do have, oh. but it's not it's not that rigid compared to the Philippines. Mm, okay. Yeah, there is. There's also restorative programs for, for the kids who are having troubles. Actually, yes. there's a lot of programs here that yeah. we could help those kids. But at the end of the day, that's what I mentioned a while ago. That's yeah. pretty common. But most of the administrator going to tell us, always think of what these kids are dealing with. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about them. Perfect. That's what they keep on telling them. So yeah that is why there yeah, has to be patience yes. and love <laughs> yes yes correct so indeed well, as well right yeah yes. okay so what's your message to your fellow teachers in special education actually there's a lot of my students who keep on um, messaging me about um on the path to take if they want to be to be a special ed teacher in the Philippines, so for me, um, you need to prepare yourself. Mm -hmm. It's it's not uh it's not a happy, uh, what do you call this um, happy path most of the time. There are a lot of challenges that you have to face. As I mentioned a while ago, you have to face the IEP. It's not a joke <laughs> to facilitate IEP. That's one thing That's that a you lot. Have. 
there's a lot. It's a federal document. It's yeah. not a joke. And yeah. you have to face these people and this um, IEP document or the scenarios in each kid. It's different. Mm -hmm. So you have to face each challenges in a different way, in different, like, for example, I have 22 kids. It's different scenario every single, in, um, in single cases. So those are the things that you have to, to deal with. You have to be familiarized. That's one thing that I've, I realized, Ms. Shari, because I used to be an associate professor, right? I teach special ed back in college and also in, um, in, in graduate school. I was really good in teaching with all the with all the things in special ed, but yeah. when it came here, oh my God, this is reality about special ed. It's all about talking, and that yeah. if you're ready in front of you, it's ready in front of you. Oh my God, it's quite different. Yeah. So we need to be um ready in every and yeah. uh, every facet of our lives to be emotionally ready physically ready like for example in my part as an inclusion teacher i need to move from one classroom to another classroom so you need to be physically ready and that's not, emotionally that's not me, right you, that's far from each other yes correct <laughs> yes correct if 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 it's, it's science it's in science love so mm -hmm. if it's math it's a math area so i need to walk from one classroom to another classroom <laughs> so also emotionally ready that's the most ultimate thing that you have to prepare of. you need to be emotionally ready because oh my god the reality of teaching kids here in the u.s it's it's way 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 different in the philippines yeah. so physically emotionally mentally everything you need to be ready yeah if there's one value that you would like to keep and impart to your students what would that be i always keep on telling my students teaching them the, the word respect respect so they don't, um, as, as I go back once again, they keep on telling me that basically they don't know exactly what's respect, the essence of respect, yeah. what's, what's the essence of respect to, to the people, like for example, your teachers, to, your, to your, um, your family or everything. They don't know exactly the essence of that word. So I keep on teaching those, just a simple word, but it's hard for them to understand what's all about respect. Yeah. So that's one thing I always tell my kids to respect others, but simply being honest, being loving in everything, every aspect, respect. It's the one thing that I, I always tell them. Yeah, that's wonderful. You have shared so much, Miss Martha. That was wonderful. I have learned a lot from you, yeah. especially the disparity of culture, the multicultural uh, students that you've got there. Quite an interesting and very challenging job for you. Yeah, it is. You keep yourself happy and entertained. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> um, how how do, do I say this? Oh, uh, actually, I find so many ways to entertain myself here in Tucson. It's a big city, so I'm a quite the self-confessed, you know, a social butterfly. <laughs> so I occupy my weekends by spending time with my friends. So most of whom are Filipino teachers. So yeah. we sometimes have these so-called Filipino parties, yeah. which are always filled with good food, um, karaoke, TikTok, even the marathon, even greater company because we came from a different um, cities back in the Philippines. So recently, since the weather has been getting hotter here in Arizona, yeah. um, it's almost 100. Ooh. When the, with the springtime approaching, we have been frequenting the pools in our um, 
apartment and just relaxing during the weekend. So I want to take this time now to give a shout out to my friends here in Tucson. So hello to Carol Torda. They're, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to watch this. Edson Rojas, Crystal Blanco, Joseph Ucero, um, Christina Gaspar, Mary Rose, and Lidon Saikon, Jasmine Vercar, Phil Cantalep, Nang Lizel Castellon, Jason Luniza, Rizaline Doria, Marvin Zedbangoy, Mylene Rollis, um, Almira Sadayak, Crisel Amante, and even my best buddy since day one, Christine Huyo is already in North Dakota, and Andrea Pasilan is somewhere uh, um, in another city in Arizona. And I'm extremely grateful for each and every single one of you, and I cannot express enough my deep, deep gratitude for all of you. But other than that, <laughs> I speak to my incredible husband every single day, daily to keep up with the events there back happening in the Philippines and to never lose touch with my family also and love once they're back in the Philippines I'm also often on FaceTime with my um with my nieces so um especially with me um, niece who is currently living in Amsterdam studying um near 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 Nikki hi <laughs> that's good you're so bubbly and so <laughs> yeah so inspiring how do you keep yourself inspired in closing um inspiration actually it depends on the person it's uh i'm inspired because i i i usually do affirmation every single day to be positive yeah i do that um, every single day when i wake up there's a series of affirmation sound that i usually um listen to to motivate myself to get up for my purpose why i'm still awake why i'm here in this world so I usually listen to that one so that I will I will go back to my to the premise why I'm here in this world. Yeah. To be a better person, to be of service of another person, to be better. Wonderful. Yes. To be better all the time. Yes. And Asia, we have the same mission. And we have the yeah. same <laughs> service to humanity is the best, the best work of life. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. And I'm so happy that uh, we have gotten in touch. Stay happy, stay well, and keep doing a great job there in Tucson, Arizona. Yes, I miss you. <laughs> too. And keep in touch, okay? Yes, I'll, I'll do. Yes, I've just talked to Press Martha Rose or Miss Martha Rose Isidario Gutierrez. This is Life Expressions, and I'm Chari Hineti Elon. Please show some love if you like this episode. Share it with your friends. You can also download it and <laughs> on your social media account. Till next time here on Life Expressions. Thank you. For